the controversial 1994 crime law, the one that Joe Biden, our president-elect, wrote, the one that a lot of people were complaining about on social media, stating that it was uh, sort of like a precursor to some of his policies and some of those other things. That's what we're going to discuss today. I have with me two of my close friends today. One, um, Gene Hopkins, resident of California. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people, Gene? Sure. Gene Hopkins. And I'm uh, over 50 years old, just like the uh, the radio uh, host there. That's right. And I uh, have, have a lot of experience. 50 and uh, 60. <laughs> yeah, uh, we try. <laughs> we try for sure, you know. Still I'm like the gadget. As a side note, I'm like the gadget man now. You know, I buy these $99 this and hundred dollars added and inversion tables and everything else and mats and stuff and I figure uh just by equipment alone I'll get in shape somehow. I don't know. I, <laughs> so but anyway I have to be honest, I don't know where you're going with that. I don't know if you're trying to pull some people in that are perhaps doing the same things. We ne- we never admit that stuff. But go ahead. I'm breaking <laughs> just, just just a little icebreaker. So okay. uh, I have vast experience uh uh you know as, as it pertains to today's conversation. Uh, I actually was uh, a police officer and four years in the 90s, 93 to 97. And I saw, uh, and uh, you know, I saw uh, things that were implemented, things that were attempted, uh, and uh, what all that was about. So uh, now I'm in California. I haven't been in law enforcement since 1997. So uh, that was another lifetime ago. And uh, now I'm just a sales professional for uh, various uh, services and products. And uh, I hope to uh, lend some uh, useful information into the conversation. I'm sure you will. And we're going to get into that a little bit long, a little bit later. Uh, my second guest is a very close friend of mine, um, Robert Brooks. Rob, would you like to introduce yourself? I, I guess I can do that. Robert Brooks, Pisces. Um, while Dean has some specific <laughs> expertise in this area, um, I just have I just have mad opinions, and um, you know, I will start with a question: Is you know, why can't we let this man grow up? You know, why 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 does this thing become a topic now? Well, well, you know, we're get, we're going to get into that a little bit more. Rob is Rob is like obviously showing off his experience and taking over <laughs> <laughs> from out the box. <laughs> And I don't know what that Pisces thing is about there, Rob. Not a dating well, show. I mean, you know, you guys, you guys are over 50. You're sexy. Like, I'm just trying to contribute some color, you know, some color commentary in there with it. All right. Well, thanks a lot for the contribution there. You know, feel a little bit inadequate. By the way, in case anyone wonders, I'm a Virgo. So, <laughs> my question. Right. And like Barack Obama, I'm a Leo. Okay. So there we go. So now we got the horoscopes out of the way. And now you know why don't, they don't let they don't take us places. Yeah, that's true. I see. I see. That's right. That's so, how we were about to sing float on or something. But go ahead. Well, you know, well, well you know, it kind of seg- segues into my first question for you, gentlemen, because like you know, and Gene, you kind of got into it with your introduction. Um, what I wanted to know is like you know, in 1994, exactly what were you doing? You know, where were you when this bill came out? You know, was this something that you were aware of? I'm sure it is something that you were aware of, but, you know, um, 
do you feel like it had any effect on you? Like, where were you at this point in time in your life? What were you doing? Okay, so uh, let, I, I, I'll be sure I'll explain that. But let me preface this: that uh, at the time, nineteen ninety four. Uh, right. Uh, in my opinion, I was a completely different person that thinks nothing like that person. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, but back then, I happened to be, you know, very much a uh, patriot slash Christian slash, you know, just uh, the American dream uh, personified, or at least that was my goal. Well, so, you, you uh, were I was a police officer. You had yeah, uh, before that. that, right? Yeah, right. Okay. So, so uh, I, I was a police officer for about a year uh, in 1994. I started in 1993. Uh, so, uh, I had been there for about a year and uh, or less, depending on the uh, month in '94, and uh, I was. Uh, about 25 years old, so uh, already married, uh, already had one kid, and uh, soon there was going to be another on the way. Uh, all that I was going to college part time. So, so you were pretty much, you were pretty much deeply into that life and into that lifestyle that a lot of police officers do. They, you know, they come out of the military or they're they're local and. They sign up for the police force and they get married and they live that dream. That was pretty much your existence at that point. Correct? Right. Right. Uh, there, yeah, there was a, yeah, there were a lot of normal aspects to it. Sure. Just, yeah. Rob, what were you Typical doing? In 19, Rob, what were you doing in 1994? 1994 were in terms of professionally wasn't a too much different from what I'm doing right now. I was, um, producing baseball games on the radio, trying to stay out of trouble. Um, mostly successful with that. Okay. But even the, the moments when I did get in trouble were enlightening into the, the thought processes and the, and the attitude of the, the police during those times. Um, I was down in the, I'm still down in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Um, and, you know, they, they, they have some police issues in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember, like, you know, back in those days, we had, we had a... I was actually thinking about the uh, little altercation that we had when we were in Philadelphia back in the day. And I, I want to get into that a little bit later, you know, but, um, you know, Gene, like, you know, in the area that you were in the area that you were working, you know, were, were there a lot of drugs going on? Was there a lot of thing? Were there a lot of things going on with money being passed? Did you see a lot of the, did you see a lot of the deterioration in the neighborhood? You know, what were your experiences? What was your viewpoint, your purview? Well, yeah, I saw all that for sure. Um, so it was Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, Florida is pretty much, I mean, back back then, you know, it used to have a saying, newlyweds and almost dead. So young people and <laughs> old people and stuff, you know. Uh, but uh, for the most part, Florida is, I mean, just uh, Crackerville personified, you know. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just old Jim Crowish. <laughs> there is an energy as you can get, and so you know, of course, I didn't, I didn't care about none of that. Then I didn't, I wasn't raised down there, so I didn't know anybody. But 
but yeah, you know, it was divided by tracks. I, I said all that to say that it was divided by uh, train tracks. Okay. Back then, and, you know, black was really the tracks uh, determined or, or usually was a good indicator of what neighborhood you, you were in. And so, yeah, there was, uh, uh, you know, when, when crack hit the nation, you know, as I've lear- later learned uh, and, and saw some of, you know, it, there was a new economy in, in especially black neighborhoods. And so, uh, yeah, uh, it didn't miss Fort Myers. You know, it didn't miss many black towns in, in Florida because I'm familiar with other places and stuff. Uh, it didn't miss, you know, the country, uh, you know, right. uh, just like it did in the city. So, right. so yeah, that stuff was down there. And it was, uh, I mean, you know, and it was all hands on deck for primarily the problems that existed in the black community. That, that was pretty much what policing was about. You know, uh, of course, they took calls all over the city of different types. But I'm talking about, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, you know, active uh, playing shit out policing. Okay. You know, <laughs> warrants and shit like that. Yes, exactly. Sort of like right, the, right, the exactly. They, sort so, of like what they ran with Brianna. And that's because racist people were in charge from the mayor down. I mean, you know, and, and, and I, even though I left Fort Myers in 1997 or 1998, no, it was, yeah, late 97, uh, that, I was no surprise, man, that I read, you know, a couple years back or a year back whenever it was appropriate that they was having Trump rally. Hmm. <laughs> That's what they about. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's one of the many uh, red sections of the nation that, uh, you know, they seen it one way so long. I mean, it's like the series Mad Men. You can see why those men never wanted to give up that misogynistic power they had back yeah, then. Because it, cause it was down. everything. It was everything. You yeah, know, and so, so Fort Myers is no different shit. You know, my question, you know? my question is like, you know, to touch on something that you said. Um, you said that, you know, a lot of the operations were run in a black neighborhoods or, you know, what they would consider a black neighborhood. Um, I hate that term because I hate being like, you know, phrased as a color, but like, you know, that's another conversation for another day. But, um, you know, my experience, my experience with like drug usage period here, I'm from, I live on Long Island. Okay. And, you know, I knew a lot of people that were selling drugs and, you know, but they weren't all, they weren't all black, you know, um, especially like, you know, we know how it comes in, it comes in via Miami. Everybody's seen Scarface. You know, um, I've watched the Cocaine Cowboys a million times when that was on Showtime a few years ago. You guys ever see that series where they discuss? Yeah, no, but I, I did check out Narcos. Okay, um, but I mean, you know, there's we, we know how it got here. Yeah, it got here, and like, you know, yeah. which is the larger issue for me. But. Yeah, well, right. I, I find it interesting that, like, you know, when I was watching like the Cocaine Cowboys, for exa- example, cocaine pretty much built the infrastructure, the financial infrastructure of Florida. Not just Miami, but a lot of other places. It really was going up from that southern tip and working its way up, you know. So it's like, you know, to say, I think it's like kind of like disingenuous for people to say that they don't want the drug trade. You know, they don't, they don't, they want the drug trade. They just want it um, properly, I guess, properly positioned. And my question to Eugene was like, was simply like, 
you know, did you see a lot of drug usage in the white neighborhoods as well, or the neighborhoods that were on the other sides of the tracks, as you so eloquently put it? Or like, sure. you know, were you, you were, so were you instructed to kind of like, you know, not look at that, not to do that? Oh, no, 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 no. It's, not, it's nothing like, that's not the, uh, that wasn't the police environment back then, and I'm sure it's not that way uh, uh, now. Okay. Uh, back then, uh, the culture was, uh, pretty much uh, a mirror of the real culture outside of it, you know? Uh, and so, uh, but but even in the real culture outside of it, people aren't so explicit in their, uh, in their vitriol, you know? In their, in their, in their, in their, in their, in their, in their uh, hate and uh, in many uh, funny ways or in their prejudices prejudices, I should say, uh, you know, along with, or overall in their racism, they're just not so explicit. Uh, and so it's the same thing in any corporation, just, uh, that, that police force is the same way, you know, it was, a, a ranking order and, uh, a culture that did things like that, you know, that, uh, that gave breaks over here where, where there were no breaks over there. Uh, uh but even more than that, it was like the, the, the when you're a police officer, your job is to arrest people. You know, is, is yeah. if you're a young police officer, your job in your mind, your job is to arrest people. So <laughs> you don't care about that other shit. Right. You know, so you weren't so were, were out there shirking your responsibilities. You pretty much like equally applied. Oh shit. man, for the first, I, yeah, I was a, you know, for the first, uh, you know, for the first year, year and a half. Uh, you know, I, I I was completely baptized in the cult. Couldn't imagine doing anything different. Okay. You know, even hate. I saw the hate with some of my partners and this and, and not partners, but some of my coworkers and shit. Okay. And still thought, you know, greater good and man type philosophy within and this and that and everything else. And so, yeah, you know, it was hook, line and sinker for a year and a half. But then after that, uh, you know, there's something in my DNA and roots that I hadn't discovered yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the switch just flipped and I hated every damn thing. And, and then I was letting everybody go because I didn't feel like doing the paperwork. Well, I guess and, you that, know, that explains the four years thing. <laughs> well, no, that's the, that's, you know what that is. That's when you get married and you, you know, you live in check to check. You don't just leave no damn jobs, you know, right. it's, you know, especially when you got kids and a, a mortgage, right. this, I mean, child support, you know, it was like, you know, there were things that kept me on for two years longer than I should have been on. It's the same in the army. I did four years there and, and I was done after about a year and some in my mind, I, I felt like the biggest underachiever out of Brentwood. But we know that's not the case. No, that's definitely <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we definitely know uh, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, you ain't you so. ain't crack the top five hundred in your class in that in that race there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, when you have high expectations of yourself, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, uh you uh, you know, shit, man, you know, just never you know, it's it's hard to be satisfied. Yeah, with, with, especially in the in, in the U.S. Army. Yeah, well, good you know, lord. You know, it's it's funny. Like you know, you know, I I was discussing like you know, and it's funny like what you said about what you said about um you know people that look like you and how you how you associate. One of our mutual friends, I remember Brian. I ran into him one day, 
it was like a couple of years after we had both left DC and uh, we just bumped into each other and Brian is like um he was my roommate in college you know for for people that don't know at Howard and um you know I asked him I was like you know what's it like living in DC you know full time not in school anymore you know because that that wasn't that wasn't the path that I had taken and he was like he described it to me he was like well you know when I'm going to work and I'm looking to do a deal um when people look at me they look at me more like I could be their brother or I could be their cousin or I could be their neighbor because it was a brown town. There was a lot of finance that was going on. There were a lot of things that were moving in that in that in that way. So you know, uh-huh. when you say that, and when you say that in terms to law enforcement, you know, it's like for people to say that these biases don't exist or that they're not that they're not even a natural thing. You know, I think that it's like completely and totally off base. I think that we should all just stop making believe that we yeah, don't have biases towards certain things. We're, they need to go read Chris Donner's manifestation is what they need to do, but go ahead. Yeah, well, it's a it's a natural, it's just a natural thing. It's a natural step, you know, that you would that you would tend to give somebody else a, you know, a break that looks like you. And that's one of the arguments for getting more minorities into the police force as it is. You know, I... So in theory, that was the, that yeah. was the argument. But then unfortunately... You know, it created this other race of blue people, yeah. you know, right. And then some of them cats who are brown turn blue. Right. Right. And then, you know, sure. we, we out on the outside still. Yeah, it's I, I, for, for sure. But 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 you know what? We're, we're talking about, I mean, the really the thing that, you know, and I'll just say this and hopefully it doesn't go on a rabbit trail, but it, it stays on my mind. We address, I mean, you know, I don't know, I just don't know uh, where the value is and address it and continue to address them. I mean, you know, the, the, the roots are clear that with the internet being here, information being available, the history is clear now. Yeah. This is just an outright refusal of people who can uh, do math or rational people, whatever, outright refusal of them to accept factual history. And make and come to a conclusion based on that. Well, and so you know, yeah, we're going to have problems. Doesn't matter that black people become cops because it's still the same system that hasn't been changed. Exactly, and that's my kind of when people try to when you know when the conversation when Joe Biden became the the nominee and and Kamala Harris became his partner, and now the conversation about the ninety four crime bill came up. You know, one. There's a lot of very popular people, like a lot, you know, a lot of brown people got behind Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders voted yes for it. Yeah. He was a, he was a yes for the crime bill. So I mean, he's on the yeah. same hook as Joe is. He didn't write it, but you know, he co-signed yeah. on it. Right. Yeah. Um, and all that did, you know, that had you know some stiffer penalties. It dished some money around. It also threw some smaller amounts of money around for some social problems. I mean, it tried to to undo some of the harmful effects. The Rockefeller drug laws were far more punitive than the 94 crime bill. I just feel like people, you know, sometimes take their eye off the ball. Like you got to, you know, unfortunately we got a two party system. So, you know, you got, you cannot like Joe Biden, but you can't like the other guy. I'm not saying you can't like the other guy because everybody can do what they want to do. But, you know, to throw shade at Joe Biden because he wrote it. Well, you know, there's, it's two choices. 
except for the 60,000 people who voted for Kanye. And, you know, they might be the reason why the Electoral College stays around for a little bit longer. Right. Well, you know, my my take on a my take on that bill to a certain extent is, and like you know, in remembering that time, is that there were a lot of black people and there were a lot of minorities that were actually for that bill and actually applauded it. It wasn't. All- yeah, that's par for the course, though. That's par for the course. Well, I mean, you don't have, you know, it's kind of, in a way, you know, it's not like they're being presented with another option. They wanted their neighborhoods back. That's a good point. And. This is the model, you know, in America, we got this law and order culture and there's this model, you know, starting with the Westerns and moving through, you know, all of the, um, you know, all the patriotism that arose and the heroics, you know, honoring our heroes after 9-11. There's this law and order model. And so, you know, you just that was that was the paradigm that we had in order to try and fix the problem. You know, we as Gene said earlier. We still have never really tried to address root causes. I mean, they did a little bit. You know, they had some money in that for diversionary programs. But, you know, compared to the money that they threw at, you know, more jails and more money for the FBI and for the DEA, it was a drop in the bucket. Well, it, but, it, you know, that bill was just, you know, that we, as Gene said earlier, the 94 crime bill. We're just following the model that we had. Until we bust up that model and start looking at new ways of doing things, we're going to keep coming up with solutions that run on the same track. Well, I was talking to another, sure. I was talking to another person the other day, and like one of the one of the effects of that was like sort of like reinforcing the preschool to prison pipeline. Have you guys ever heard of that? Do you know what that is? It's a real thing. It's a real, it's a real thing. thing. It's a profit center in America. It's a real thing. It's yeah. That's it. I mean. It's based upon the educational system where uh, it basically shows how from the time you're four years old, five years old, and you first enter into the school system, you're earmarked to, you know, go to prison and to be a part of that system. And, you know, as we see now, like, you know, to me, like the justice system, the justice system is a juggernaut. You know, it's huge. You know, just where we live over here. They built the courthouse over here, like, recently, so they could, you know, over the past, like, 15 years, it wasn't here when we were kids. At least it it was being built when we were kids. Um, and now it's like they've got this big mechanism with the pay for with the pay for um, prisons and all of these other things that it kind of like you're there's money in disenfranchising people. Did, did you ever see Abba du, DuVernay's 13th? No, what's that? Yeah, I have. That's all about that process. The 13th Amendment, which abolishes slavery, has a clause Mm -hmm. in it which says basically slavery is abolished except for those who have violated the law and are incarcerated. Right, right. So that's the beginning of the prison industrial complex and the further subjugation of brown people. Like, okay, we got to start criminalizing their behavior. One, to keep them uh, working for us, you know. And two, and two to make listen, two to make my we we were producing we were producing uh, the world with uh, materials for making steel. We, we were we were global in that, and the way uh, that was done was through uh, uh, trumped up charges and free labor. Uh, one out of every three black men, one out of every three black men that went in there died while working. 
in in those in those mines and stuff in, in Birmingham, I believe, or somewhere in Alabama. And uh, uh, and that's how that. So the profit that was associated with you know with unjustly uh, imprisoning someone and taxing someone, or you know, putting them on paper and everything else, was huge right out of the gate uh, when that prison industrial system started. And so the crime bill was just an extension just to, to continue to feed uh, that system that has, has been around for 100 years at that point. That's yeah, I mean, like in North Carolina, they're paying prison workers like 35 cents an hour to build furniture. Mm. The deck. Right. And so the, and the profit margins are... And, and here's, the, here's what else it does. It actually does keep a class of people super-duper oppressed. And there's only one number that I ever have to say that 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 is proof to uh, uh, systemic oppression or racism or whatever you want to call it, and that is is that the the, the needle for collective black wealth has hardly moved in fifty years. Well, we still have the same percentage of of wealth that we've had. I believe it's like something like for the past hundred years, if the if you were to break it down into a pie and don't quote me exactly, I believe it's somewhere like three uh, percent of the economic pie or maybe five percent of the economic pie. It just circulates within the black community, or I think it may even be more than that. It may be like twelve percent, you know. But it's like that's like what we that's what we come into it. What comes into our pocket goes out into the economy, and of course we know it. Yeah, I'm talking strictly neighborhoods. Ownership is how they, they, they measure uh, collective wealth. Well, ownership, uh, property ownership, mostly. Ownership, we we'll um, well forget about. Ownership, we're not even in the conversation. Well, I mean, right. we're, just, we're just in our lifetime, you know, beginning to get access to a fair shot at property ownership. Like, it's not even, um, right. it's not even a, a real discussion. I mean, I was, I bought, I, I'm li- I live in a little condo here in South Jersey, and I didn't buy, you know, I had a house in the air, but, you know, like the thought of buying, the conversation around buying isn't really on too many people's, you know, uh, list. Like it's not something that parents, a lot of parents are really teaching. A lot of parents are teaching survival because that's what America has given us. The opportunity to survive, not to thrive. Right. And our schools are not teaching, you know, uh, we could do we eight weeks of conversation on how bad the school system is, but right. you know why is it that the school systems don't teach you, you know, how to right. do your taxes, how right. to figure out your taxes? Why don't they teach you? Why aren't they teaching you um, uh, retirement strategies? Right? Why aren't they teaching you how, what credit? How to keep your credit score high? Well, they don't teach. Well, well, we, know they don't, we know they don't teach financial education in the school system, and like you know, that's one thing. Like that's you know, you guys know I'm I'm a realtor now, but before that, I was a mortgage banker, and I was a mortgage banker in 2006, and I did write a whole ton of FHA loans to help people in their homes, and I did do education. You know, mm-hmm. I I was writing at that time. I had a blog on Black Planet. And um, a couple of people paid attention, and I did it. I did at least two um, blogs at that point in time, two podcasts. You know where I gave a lot of people education and information because it's not even it's not even just you know for those people that got caught up in that whole scam 
that happened between 2000 and 2006. And like, that's a, that's a whole other different conversation, you know, and it doesn't just involve black people. It involves all people, you know, yeah, all people, but you know, just like since we're, since we're talking about it and we're breaking it down to just black people, even when it came to how they could keep their homes, the information wasn't being disseminated to the black community. I felt like it was a 24-7 job for me to put that information out there. I'd write it in blogs. I'd put, on, put it on anyone's post that I saw it, um, the information on how to go about getting an FHA loan, what you might need. And I would tell people, like, you know, when I, I would say some nights, I swear, to, I swear, you know, my woman is no longer with me from that time. But one of the reasons why is because I would be up at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock at night talking to someone on the West Coast going over their finances, trying to figure out how they can stay in their home for a little bit longer or maybe flip it over to a point where they can get into a mortgage that they can actually afford because, let's be honest, we were we were offered the shit. They offered yeah. us the shit programs, okay? There are plenty of people that I did that I ran numbers for that when I ran the numbers for them when they initially got their mortgages, they could have been given a safe mortgage, but they weren't given those properties. They weren't given that opportunity because it was all about the about the mortgage banker at that point in time making his bonus. A lot of those mortgage bankers that really don't know anything about the business, they were basically salesmen whose job was to get you to say yes. Once you said yes, they handed it off to someone else. And once it became time when it became a little bit more difficult and they had to actually advise people on how to keep their homes from these shit products that they had given to us, they went off and they did other things. They had other jobs. The lucky ones still had some money left over. Most of them, thank God, and, and like, you know, what I consider to be a little bit of justice was they went out and they spent their money. They go out to Vegas and do crazy stuff. Those stories are like, you know, funny as hell, but they had no money left. You know, these guys were making $10,000 every two weeks. They go out and they'd spend 8000 on a weekend. Hey. And, you know, but that German money, Rhino's got to stay afloat, man. Right. But that money, <laughs> right. But that money they were spending was our money. That's our equity. That was like, that was them stealing from your kids, from our kids, you know, and this just didn't happen to just us. It happened to everyone, you know, and being oh. a, with all honesty. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, to come full circle, there, there are probably, you know, just, you know, just tons of topics that uh, would support the uh, you know raw deal, so to speak, <laughs> right. that uh, since inception of the country. Yeah. So uh, so so when it comes to the um, prison industrial system, the ninety four crime bill, uh, who's accountable? Uh, you know, look, this is America. I don't understand. I, I you know you know I guess maybe because I'm fifty now, I, I no longer understand the optimist. Uh, that uh, really believes still in the uh, greater good and that uh, for some uh, unprecedented reason, uh, we're just going to turn the ship around into righteousness. Well, I mean, it has never been that. Well, it's I never mean, been that. Normally, so. normally I would <laughs> say I would be one of those people. But like, you know, these past like these past like, you know, probably eight years, I've slowly turned the corner to pessimism. 
And I've been kind of aware of that because I know most people, most people when they get older, you know, like, you know, what's the old joke? You know, when you're in your 20s, you're a Democrat. When you're in your 30s, you become a Republican or a conservative, you know, you because you have There's middle ground. Yeah, you have There's middle ground. There's realist. You can be a realist. I can be and not and not you know, and not be a pessimist. Yeah. But well, now, I get you. You know, now well, you know. Now I've evolved. Being a realist will make you pessimistic. Yeah. That's right. 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 Um, I, I, you know, I've evolved to the point where, where now it's like, it's not so much that I, that I believe in the greater good and I expect the greater good, but I still hope for it. I do. I still hope for it. You know, yeah. I hope that and in the infamous words, I'm going to be disappointed. I was going to say in the infamous words of, of, uh, of this lady I used to work with, hope is not a plan. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> and this is why, and this is why you two gentlemen are the first two guests on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hope is not a plan. Hope is not a plan. One of my favorite, you know, um pieces of art these days is the Barack Obama Hope poster. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, hope is not a plan. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, um yeah, you know, we've been hoping a long time. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, uh, you know, I think I owe it to my ancestors to reflect. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not hung up on it or this and that. No, I owe it because you know what? I understand I'm passing through. And I'm leaving folks behind just like they were passing through. And, and, and their, pl- and, and their uh, journey is important for me. For the people I'm, you know, leaving behind and for my existence now and decision making, perspective and everything else. It's important. So I often reflect on, you know, uh, shit, man, you know, we, we owe a debt to people who survived slavery from birth to death. Mm. Yeah. Know. Yeah. That people helps. who, people who, even people who survived, like I look at, you know, um, John, you know Ruby. Jean probably didn't get the chance to meet Ruby. Right. But my grandmother, uh, you know, she's a product of the South. You know, she used to always say that her her sister was a uh, a product of a of a rape. Tending to think that Ruby probably was too. If you have a look at her. Um, but those people had hard lives, and they mm. gave up a lot to try and push me to a better place. Mm. So. I would be neglectful if I did not share what I had with the people coming up and try to elevate us. Like at some point there's a hard conversation coming now okay. and that we're 16% of the population here in America. Okay. We can't win no elections on our own. No. Like if we truly want, you know, to generate massive wealth amongst ourselves within the black community at some point, we are probably going to have to create our own space within this or a space outside of it. I know Tyler Perry likes to play Moses. You know, maybe he could build a city. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we could all, yeah. all go move there. I, 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 hear that, I, hear that, I hear that Garvey coming out, but I'm digging it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I mean, that's... You know, I mean, that's just... I mean, that's simple. You know, I know in the past, they always, whenever we build something of our own, they always pour it down. Right. But right. to create wealth within our community at some point we're going to have to become a community right now we're scattered about and we have some areas right. we have some legacy areas where we've been held down 
and we've been pushed into. But, you know, as soon as we get a chance to get out of there because of the conditions in those areas, we go out and we diminish the strength, the possible strength of those areas. Well, let me bring that back to the crime bill for a second. Mm-hmm. So we know that, like, in the history Look of this you playing host. Yeah, well, listen. That, listen, this is what I, this is what my job. Yeah, is, that right? was pretty professional, John. That thank was pretty you. professional. Well, thank you. I think you guys just ruined that, but okay. <laughs> oh no, man! You know, this is the first. This is the first episode. It's supposed to be rough. But yeah, go ahead. This is, this, is, this is your weird gen voyage, man. Yeah, We're trying to help you along. I can't control my guests. They're not physically here, so it's like you know. But um, no, but but I, you know, I I do want to bring that back to. I do want to bring that back because. You know, when you say like when you talk about like building collective wealth, you look at the family like the Kennedys, right? The Kennedys, we all know they were they gained their money through what bootlegging, right? Yeah, booze, right? Yeah, bootleg. They were able to probably murder too. Murder. Don't forget murder. No, well, they did a lot. They did a lot of different stuff. They did what they did was what was business at that point in time, you know. And you look at and like even closer, like you know Donald Trump. I always say this, you know, and people always get so tight about like this guy. You can't say anything about him, even if it's factual. But we all know that like yeah. you know, his family made their money. One of the things that his grandfather did. From Hoenn. Yeah. From Hoenn. Like, you know, he had brothels. And, you know, it's not, right. you know, me being me in a real estate sphere, it's not hard for me to make a connection from making money from brothels, having the property, being able to pay your mortgages, making all that extra money, taking that, going out and buying another whole house, going out and doing the same thing on the other side of town. And then after you've bought a couple of whole houses and you've got all that locked down, you know, now you can just start buying property. You yeah, know, then so. you start buying apartment buildings. Right. Now, the, no. thing is, the thing is about... The thing, the thing about the Trumps... I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Real estate is one of the oldest and most effective ways to rent your money. I think so we, you, I got you know, it. Through these ill-gotten gains, you start investing in real estate, get that stuff with that cash to something else, and start generating wealth on the book, right. not just off the book. Well, listen. Well, my point is, my point is this: with the crime bill, you know, what black criminal do you know, or is even like alluded to that? was able to keep their wealth from ill-gotten gains. You you don't know them if it happened. If it happened, you don't know them. I'm sure it happened. But uh, there was a guy out of South South Carolina who was really, really big in the hair run business. And uh, he's evaded to this day, uh, MIA, you know, with all type of theories and stuff. But, But yeah, he had a lot of money. But yeah, no, but but uh, uh, I, you know, that's that's not you. For every that's him, not. for every one of him, there's two thousand right. that there's you know did make it. You know, you know. I mean, listen, yeah. you, you can just watch old movies. You watch old movies, and you know what right. are these guys doing in the prospect in town. They're they're coming in. They're running the whores. They're running the liquor, and everything. Next thing you know, the next generation is running for Congress. You know, this is what they yeah. do. You know, this is something that's yeah. not afforded. This is something that has not been afforded to black people. And things like the crime bill of 1994 make sure that those things never happen. Because, like, you know, going back to the very beginning, you know, 
with the drugs, you know, you've got drugs coming in from Colombia. You've got drugs coming in from Peru. You've got all these different things coming into Miami. And they're going into banks, and they're feeding all this wealth and all these buildings and all the structure that's going out. And they're able to keep that. But when the black guy tries to do it, you get a RICO indictment. Hell, Bill Cosby tried to buy NBC, and they came up with all these different women from the 60s that said that he had sex with them. He might or might not have whatever it was, you know, but, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to say anything bad about those women, you know, and what they may or may not have have been through. But the truth of the matter is that it's 30 years and that's pretty much what everyone was doing. If you watch a movie from the 70s, these guys, they give women quaaludes. The women take quaaludes. They have sex. They like, you know, some of the stuff I saw from the 80s is like completely and totally questionable. You know, I watched a movie oh. where a guy. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Because uh, I'm, I'm just going uh, uh, on and on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stand up right now and separate. Put a wall between me and Mr. Axel in that, you know. Yeah, before you get us all canceled. On the first show, you're going to get us canceled in this cancel culture. <laughs> Bill did his own thing, and regardless of whether he's trying to buy NBC or not, regardless of whether the allegations were 30 years ago, you know, I'm the father of a daughter. Um, he's where he's supposed you know, to be. He's if that's what you were doing, he's exactly where he's supposed to be. He's where he's so supposed I'm to not, be. I'm, I'm not a... engaging in any conversation about that, brother. Right, no, I'm having As a... funny as he used to be. Right. But we all heard his comedy routine about Spanish flying, so we should have known something was up back yeah, there. Yeah, we should have known something was up back there. And listen, like, you know, I don't defend, I don't defend, like, you know, anything that he did because I actually had a cousin who worked for him who, like, you know, curiously, his his name is Elvin. So, okay, you know, we all, we all know where that is and everything. Mm-hmm. But I just like, you know, it's just that I just want equal justice for everyone. If Bill's in, if Bill's in jail, you know, I want everybody else in jail, too. That's it. Yeah, that's 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 fantasy land. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, well, it won't happen under this constitution. You see, well, I mean, you you have to do some serious. You, like you'd almost have to blow out every cop in America and start from scratch. Like John and I, I don't know if you remember this in evening, John, but we were home from college after freshman year, and we had to hang with my brother. And his boys. And so we wind up, as we always do, at White Castle late at night. And one of Ryan's boys is just starting shit. Okay. Um, He's trying to start a fight. So, he, you know, he slaps this kid. But it's never really becomes anything more than that. It's just him intimidating people. But the folks in White Castle call the cops. The okay. cops arrive as we're all leaving. Both parties are leaving. So the cops surround us. And they say, you know, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. What's the problem, officer? Well, we're here to investigate a fight. And I said to the cops, I said, you can't really be here to investigate a fight. He's like, why? We heard that there was a group of black and white kids fighting. I said, because you rounded us up and you let them walk away. So you only want, you either know the story already or you don't care about their side of the story. Hmm. Um, and fortunately, it did not get me an ass whooping that night. He put me, but for speaking up for us, he puts me in the back of the car. He runs my ID. Mm-hmm. I'm clean. You know, and then he's like, all right, you guys just get the hell out of here. Mm. But that was right. attitude. You know, he got a report about a fight between some blacks and some whites. He rounded us up. They got in their cars and rolled off. I think I remember. And there's right. too much of that type of bias 
built into the system now to, you know, to take these people who are doing the job right now and say, you're going to stop policing that way. I think I think it's like wholly unrealistic. Yeah, that's a, yeah. You're 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 right in that uh, the majority. I would guess that the majority of them uh, simply would not be capable of the change required, or uh, maybe not capable, but willing. They would absolutely not be willing for the change required. I was just talking to. I have a, a young cop that uh, lives down the street from me. Okay. Uh, he's like in his fourth year or something like that. I was talking to him and he said something interesting to the, to me. You know, he said, oh, oh, if they come out, cause I asked, you know, I asked him, you know, does he love it? I mean, uh, is he always on guard? This and that. I was asking him all type of questions. And then he said, uh, oh, you know, he's probably going to, it's a career unless they come out with, uh, prop something or lost something or whatever he he he, uh, he described it as. Whereas uh, they are now liable for certain things, okay. and so uh, uh, it, you know, which may be that uh, you know one of the plans for change. I don't I don't I don't say plans for correction because I don't think they're trying to correct shit. Uh, but well, one of the plans for for change is maybe to that they uh, are held to a higher accountability legally than they ever have been uh, by removing some protection that they have right now from uh, uh, prosecution on, uh, you know, most things. I think, you know, I have a a really good, sexy friend who's a nurse. We spend a lot of good time together. Um, Right. And nurses have to carry their own liability insurance. What was your sign again, right? Uh, What? What was your sign again? Uh, I'm, I'm Pisces. Okay. So, so which means liability insurance. If she screws up, you know, they can sue her directly for her mistakes. Right. And why are oh, they yeah. higher standard than police officers? So well, that's yeah. probably what'll happen. Is it's some insurance? They'll probably. That's exactly what the the the. the the thing will be for police officers who want to do the job to have to buy insurance like a uh, medical profession. Well, we could talk, we could talk police reform for like another hour, you know, with different ideas. Yeah. But you know, it's, I think it's insurmountable though, in my opinion. To, to take it back to the crime bill for a moment and just sort of the fact that it became an issue um, is very much, you know, the first thing they said was, you know, Joe Biden wrote the crime bill and Kamala Harris put a lot of black people in jail. So now, right. you know. And they hate her for it. Well, that's the kind of, uh, and to use the John Kerry thing, swift voting. It me. Especially I, the black right. people. Like Donald Trump's got 99 things about him. It would make him unqualified. You wouldn't hire a brother to, to be a dog catcher, nah. you know, but he can be mm-hmm. president. And now you get Joe Biden who served for a black president and Kamala Harris, who's a black woman, and now all of a sudden, you know, every single little foible of theirs, they're not allowed to evolve, they're not allowed to change. Like, now they're supposed to be discounted because they were part of that system back then. And that's the kind of thing, you know... Which is absolutely... That's the kind of thing that's absolutely... That's because we're dealing with PTSD, Rob. That's because we're dealing with PTSD, and and, 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 and for the most part, it's it's undiagnosed, but it's a real thing that just, uh, you know... uh, 
It could be one experience. It could be a hundred experiences as a black American. Literally, you know, uh, I have PTSD. Just have you filled with it? And so, you know, uh, shit, man. I mean, that's just, I mean, you said something earlier that, that was the key. We haven't even defined what the black community is yet. And I'm not talking about me, you, and X. I'm talking about black people. And then, you know, because uh, because really, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I was heavily into Christianity at one time. And uh, just uh, theologically, uh, the, the Bible says, behold, all things become new, you know. Uh, uh, and that doesn't say everything except for your blackness or this and that. So as a Christian, if you wanted to get extreme with it, you can't even consider yourself black. Yeah. If you really, really, uh, uh, you know, about that life, so to speak, you know, uh, word for word, following Bible shit, well, you know, and so, well, here, here's, and so here's, here's another biblical related question. Now, we all uh, know where, we, we, we have an idea where the stories of the Bible took place, what part of the world the, the stories of the Bible took place. Right. So where do you find Matthew, Luke, John in that part of the world? No, you don't. You find them right. You find them in Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put together by somebody else. All right, all right. Well, oh, of course. You know, but but but, but this, Rob, this is my I'm unity gonna, point. I'm gonna have to. Hold I'm, up. I'm gonna, wait, wait. I'm gonna have to cut you guys off because, like, you know, now we're going into now we're completely like going someplace else. You know, we're talking about the Council of Nicaea and like you know the building of the Bible and all that other stuff. And, yeah, but no. Oh, no, but but here's the thing. Just to tie it in, but to but to tie it in, because of stuff like that, when, when uh, we are what's called, we are broken into pieces, solid rock broken into pieces, so to speak. And the pieces are so very different in uh, you know what they choose to practice, believe, stand for, this and that, and everything else. Well, and so because that's the because that's the case. And some of that stuff really tells you that, you know, the government bullshit ain't got nothing to do with you. So it, it kind of makes you docile, you know, uh, in, in different parts. And then other parts, the, the, the desire to assimilate so bad and be accepted uh, is still overwhelming. And they're not willing to pull from that and point anything out or stand for anything or only buy black or anything that would really move the needle. Well, and so it's, it's so uh, the biggest problem we have right now is we don't even have a defined community. And, you know, I'm not religious like that. And I don't even, I'm not a Muslim, but that's why I love the brother Farrakhan, man, because he's the only one really besides the other shit, he, you know, he, he's on, he's really on that shit. You know, like when he land, this, that, everything else. Well, how do you guys think anything's going to change without all that? Well, you know, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why, why I wanted, I started this podcast you know, and another one is, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I chose this as the topic. And I'm going to tell you why, because, you know, I'm a number, I'm in a number of groups in um, Facebook and, um, you know, I have interactions with different people and I saw like, you know, we all know what the, the, the Hebrew Israelites believe in. You know, if you haven't heard of the Hebrew Israelites there, they basically believe the that, purple jumpsuit. Yeah, purple jumpsuits, like whatever you want to, whatever okay. you want to say, you know. And this is not to disrespect anyone's point of view because I respect everyone's point of view because whatever you believe is what you believe, 
You know, that's your that's part of tolerance and most people aren't tolerant. But like, you know, that I see like a lot of brothers in that sphere that were very upset with black people for voting for Joe Biden because of this nineteen ninety four crime bill. And yeah. you know, my whole thing is my whole thing is like, you know, for me, it's like it's about my safety first. And it's about the safety of my people first. It's about the safety of my sisters. It's about the safety of my brothers, about the safety of my sons. And despite all of these things where, you know, like, you know, Gene, like, you know, not much is going to change if anything is going to change. But I didn't like the rubber stamp that Trump was giving to law enforcement. It's just not it's just not right. And common sense is just not there. So you didn't like the delivery, but all of them give that go give law enforcement that rubber stamp. Well, yeah, I mean, well, whether listen, whether it be behind the door or out in front, that's the, they that's all the, give it to law enforcement. That's the argument against Kamala, you know, because she, as a DA, she was like very strict, you know, with like enforcing things, and and like that's part of being that's part of being black and empowered is, is that you can't show weakness when it comes to your own. When it comes to your own, you're expected to not only not only not show weakness, perhaps go even a little bit harder. Okay, and that's part of being. That's part of being black and in government. Yeah. That's what that's part of. You can't, you know, <laughs> because she yeah. could, but, but, but she, she's just, she's no savior, meaning she never risked it all to make change. No. She didn't. She's rolling along. She, she's on, she, she's climbing the steps of uh, success in our government. And there's, you know, uh, uh, there's only honor in that when it comes to things that have to do with the government. You know, I mean, it's just but but as far as black people, it, it's I don't know where the honor is for anybody in government. That's not when uh, as long as government continues to play its part in systemic oppression. Hey, listen, you know, we go back to us being 16 percent of the population. You can't get a government job and then say, OK. My focus is now going to be on that 16% of the population. No, no you're done if you do. You're done. You can't move the needle because the people, you got a legislature to deal with, you got tenants to deal with, and they're not having that. Like that, you know, that's a bad way to try to move the needle. So you have to try to make incremental changes. And, you know, as we are seeing, you and know, 230 plus and, and situation. And the biggest argument with the, with the young black youth right now is against incremental change. You know, yeah. that, that's one of the things that, that they rail about. Yeah. Like, nothing has been su- nothing has been successful. Nothing has worked. You know, um, we're in the same position or we're in a worse position than we were. Like, you know, and the only thing I could do to quantify that for those people and people who feel that way is like, you know, take a look to your left and take a look to your right. And you'll realize that everyone is worse off. It's not just us. revolution is a young man's game. Yeah, it's definitely and, a young man's game. And that's kind of hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I like that, Rob. Let me use that. Because I've been a dashiki wearing brother since, like, you know, 10th grade. What was it? What was that? What was those? What was it that those girls' parents said? She said she called you the intellectual and called me the radical. So I've been I've been on this for a long time, but you know what, fellas? Yeah, time I, flies when you're mm-hmm. having fun. So yeah, pretty much we pretty much covered up all of our time. So okay. you know, I'm gonna have to like cut this conversation short right now. It didn't go quite the way that I thought it would go, but guess what? 
I think that, you know, we had a great first show, and I'd love to have both of you get cats back in another time to discuss other things. You know, I'm also going to be introducing other guests, you know, depending on what the subject is, you know, and, um, but it's like, it's been great, like, you know, talking with you cats, and I think that you should give you guys a hand of applause. See, I like the way I did that. Oh, you got the clap machine. What? Uh, uh, oh, I'm talking uh, right. about One more time for the clap machine. Okay. Go ahead, man. There we need, need a clap. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like some popcorn. <laughs> so, Rob, you know, so Rob Brooks, uh, Gene Hopkins, I'd like to thank you both for being my first guest on the initial podcast of born in trouble you know we're going to be discussing more things tune in for our next like podcast uh broadcast and um you know good job guys do well everybody do well all right thank you very much i'm gonna listen i'm gonna put everybody out hold on a second okay yeah this also came with the machine right (laughs) matt bars for that next time all right (laughs) 